This is Archive Atlanta, episode 182, Historic Harlots. You're listening to Archive Atlanta, a history podcast where each week I'll be sharing a story about the people, places, and events that shape the history of the city of Atlanta. I'm your host, local tour guide, and total history nerd, Victoria Lemos. Hey everyone, happy Friday. This week, I am so excited to share my interview with Dr. Mandy Swigart-Hoba as she describes the late 1800s red light district of Collins Street, prostitution in early Atlanta, the madams, the houses of ill repute. We talk about fires and what brought down the district in 1910. So way back in March, I went on her tour, Historic Harlots of Old Atlanta during Phoenix Flies. And I was like, oh, this has got to be an episode. So it took me a couple months to figure it out. But here we are. And I hope you enjoy it as much as I did. So we can start with just an introduction, like your name, what you do here, and then we get into the project. Hello, <laughs> my name's Mandy Swigert Hopa. Um, I work here at Georgia State University in the library. As um, I started as basically a sociology, anthropology, and gerontology librarian, but I have evolved my role to being more focused on data services. So yes, and I've been here in Atlanta for 12 years wow. at this point. Okay. Yes. Did you come from the Midwest or Chicago? I did come from okay. the Midwest. Okay. Yeah, not Chicago proper. Um, actually, not Chicago. Even they would hate me if I said I was close enough to Chicago. Northwestern Indiana. Got it. Okay. Um, but far, far enough south that I was in like the cornfield. So this, and I asked Chicago because I have so many questions about how you have a master's research or you do your master's research in erotic dancing. Then that leads to a dissertation on anti-prostitution crusades in Chicago. I am dying to know that origin story. Okay. So I went to uh, Purdue University for graduate school in sociology. And my master's project I did on erotic dancing or stripping yeah. or whatever you want, you whatever. know, whatever we want to call it. <laughs> um, and I guess what got me interested in it was I went to um, school for sociology interested in gender and sexuality, like sociology, gender, and sexuality. So that kind of led me to be somehow interested in erotic dancing. Um, and then by how I got to uh, anti-prostitution crusades in Chicago during the progressive era um, was I took a uh, women's studies, women's and gender studies class uh, where we were talking about women's history. And somehow it started with that paper for that class. I like analyzed or looked at a, for one, Vice Commission report from Chicago on on the prostitution um, that was happening there in like early 1900s. So that and then contrasted with my mom had this book at home from the 19, early 1920s, a little handbook that I think she said she had gotten at an estate sale of like a teacher who had died like in the 70s. So 1970s was when this teacher, I think, had died. And it was this book called um, something like Manners and Conduct in School, in school and out. And it was written by the like the (laughs) dean of girls schools in Chicago or something like that. And it, so it was all this, this is what you do to be a respectable yes, lady. Yeah. This is what you don't do kind of thing. So since they were both in Chicago and that kind of history, the, I was looking at kind of analyzing notions of respectability. Yes, yes. What is it? What mean? is womanhood? Yeah. At that time? Yeah. And so, so then that just kind of segued into also, I think around that time, I also took a class on the social construction of social problems. Mm. So how like discourse and particularly at the early 1900s and in Chicago discourse about like anti-immigration and fear of urban settings yep. and like fear of women going out into the public, you know, the public realm and and not being corrupted yes being corrupted and all that was um of interest to me so when you moved to atlanta did you have that same questions though like when you got here you're like hmm i wonder you know the interesting thing is i really didn't um but then 
in like, I think it was 2019, one of my colleagues here in the library, they knew I had done this research, you know, on prostitution around like early 1900s or so. And they pointed out this article that an emeritus faculty member here from GSU, a history named Harvey Newman had written about Decatur Street, which, you know, I'm like motioning here, but like where Decatur Street runs right through the middle of Georgia State University or GSU's campus and our library where I work sits like right on Decatur Street. And his article was mostly about, I mean, the title of it was Decatur Street, Atlanta's African-American Paradise Lost. And it was mostly about how Decatur Street had four um, a long time been kind of the center for like music, like bars, saloons, you know, pool halls, and it was just kind of the place to go party. Um, and then also right smack dab in the middle of it on this one street called Collins Street was a red light prostitution district. So he mentioned it. So he mentioned it. Okay. Yeah, but but maybe a paragraph. <laughs> You know, like, and, and this was written in 2000, so again, and it wasn't the, you know, the focus yeah. of his article and stuff. But, but you were like, tell me but more. But yeah, so when I saw that, I was like, ooh, and then I just started digging into our um, online uh, newspaper access that GSU Library has to, like, the Atlanta Constitution it was at the time, and the Atlanta Journal before they got together, and census records, and stuff like that and like you know I was amazed for one to find on the census records here in Atlanta they literally at least in 1880 to 1910 listed women's occupation as prostitute they said the word prostitute. they said the actual word prostitute now in 1880 and 1900 I think it was they had prostitute and then in 1910 I think it was the census enumerator having fun with words I don't know <laughs> he he described the prostitutes as demi reps demi reps d-e-m-i-r-e-p so I had to look that up and it basically like the the google I think definition was um a woman of questionable chastity oh, that is hilarious <laughs> so, yes so that and then just that intrigued me because I was just like, it's just out there, you yeah. know. They just wrote it right on the census. And so you started census. So first. I started a little bit with census, okay. and then and then through um, this is all through Ancestry Library Edition, which is like the library version of Ancestry.com. I found census city directories found that the city directories, at least for a certain time period, from like late 18 or 1880s ish to like 1910 ish would list um women that were madams as madams <laughs> it would say madam annie price so this is one i'll talk about later madam fanny price her sister madam bell burton so yeah it was just crazy to me and then, then I started just searching the newspapers for certain names or the street, Collins Street, which is the, the main yeah. kind of um, district that was there at the time. And it just kind of spun out of control. <laughs> and here we are. Yes. <laughs> so for those, because it's audio, of course. Mm-hmm. And so explain, because right now we are in the GSU library, which is yes. on Decatur Street, but we are underneath Cortland. Is that right? Yes. So but explain what it looked like before. Yes. Yeah, so so Decatur Street, um, you know, kind of runs approximately east west, you know, through through downtown Atlanta, although it's kinda of angled, goes a little like northwestish. But then Cortland Street is more kind of north south, and then there's a bridge that comes up at about Gilmer. It then, maybe unbeknownst to some people, starts to go up into a bridge that then goes along and then comes back down to kind of like normal ground level. Near basically the at the Capitol. Okay. Yeah, that's... basically at the Capitol. But under the Cortland Street Bridge, there is a street that basically is, runs right parallel under it, which is still called Collins yeah, We talked about this. It's not on the map, though. It is not on I Google did, Maps. It's a couple turns getting here. It is, yes. but it exists. There's a but street name. But it exists. Name. There is a street name. So Collins. in the 18, let's just say the late mm-hmm. 1800s, there would obviously be no viaduct yet. There was so no viaduct. So we're talking bridge. Decatur Street's one side, and then there's the railroad tracks. 
Is that correct? And which are still there. Which right? are still so there. Like so where Marta, Marta and, and the CSX railroad okay. tracks were the railroad tracks at okay. the time. And you were able then back then to just, you would, could, could go directly to the tracks? Like you could just hop off and walk onto Collins Street? You could. Ah. Yes. And, but before the bridge, there was like Collins Street did not continue across the tracks. Oh, it stopped at the yeah, tracks. Yeah, it stopped at the tracks. And I think there were lots of streets like that that didn't literally like cross cross the tracks okay and so that's when they did that like early 1900 viaduct or bridge project it was basically to have more streets that oh, would cross the tracks cross the tracks by going over them going back a tiny bit because i'm always interested with like some context almost so it's mm-hmm. like what is a, a as quick as it could be like this broad early history about prostitution in general i mean have we been doing it since the beginning of time you know, up until probably into the nineteen early 1900s, so this kind of time period, which was called the Progressive Era, mm-hmm. where lots of social reformers and stuff were like, we need to do something about some of these different social problems. Up until um, that point, prostitution was usually like tolerated as a, quote, necessary evil. That, you know, it was just thought that, it's not going to go away, so why try to make it go away? Um, men, men are going to go sow their wild oats. The women that they're married to, would some of them may just prefer that they just go sow their wild oats elsewhere so they don't bother them and make them pregnant and have yeah. babies since there's no birth control, you know, or easy access and all that. It was pretty much most, even though it was illegal in most places. Yeah, but it was you just know, kind of accepted. It was just kind of accepted that it's going to happen and... Best to segregate it into some kind of district, especially in, you know, cities. Mm -hmm. Lots of cities would end up with kind of red light districts, prostitution districts, where where the police and others would pretty much tolerate, like, as long as you stay there and don't get into the night, quote unquote, nice neighborhoods and respectable neighborhoods, we'll just let you, you know, do your thing. So is that what Collins Street was in Atlanta at first, you think? I think that's pretty much what it was. Yeah. I mean, in like 1880-ish, maybe 18, mid-1870s or something like that. During that period, it seemed to be the primary tolerated district. And sometimes I've, I've come across some news articles would say things like, as long as you stay in that tender, the tenderloin district, basically the police and things would say, we're fine with it. Just stay, stay there. So it would usually be pretty close to the railroad tracks. Um, but then also where Atlanta University Center is today, so Spellman and Morehouse and all that, was a U.S. Army barracks. Yes, Fort McPherson was yes. there. I talked about that in the that episode. People don't realize it. So they were near there. So they were near oh. there. And, and I hadn't – there was a person who came to my uh, Atlanta – preservation center tour um about historic harlots of old atlanta which which yes, you which had how I found you. that's how you found me <laughs> a person that came to a, a later tour uh, they mentioned like when i said those these streets seem to be kind of right maybe more after after the war somewhat popular for some uh, prostitution. And they were the one that told me because I had not known that that the U.S. barracks were there. And then once I said, I was like, well, yeah, duh. What does the street then, we figured out where it is, what does it look like? Like, are they single family homes? Are they, you know, like, Mm -hmm. or they look like more uh, storehouses? Like, what does it actually look like? Yeah, and you know, the, the hard part, in answering that is I've yet yeah. to find any photographs, mm. any f- actual photographs of any of the, the uh, dwellings. So you're just going with Sanborn maps? Yeah, so, so I'm looking at Sanborn maps, trying to figure out like maybe how many stories, how many, you know, how many floors they had, what were they made out of, and the Sanborn maps are hard oh, to yes. discern. Oh, it's like it's a whole code. It's yes. like, what does this letter mean? Yes, is this what like does dotting? this number mean? Okay. Yeah, yeah. But um but from what I can gather from those and there is um like on the Library of Congress digitized uh, on their site, they have some like bird's eye view maps of Atlanta from the time oh, yes. that were like illustrated. Yes, the 1893 you know. ones. Yes, yeah. yes. But looking at those, if you kind of focus in on where Collins Street is, you know, the the, the houses, they look 
like houses. Okay. You know, they really just like some were one story, some were two. They would have porches, you know, and from the sandworm maps, I think I could gauge that some were brick. Some may have just been wood. <laughs> and how, how many are we talking about? How many structures? So it's it kind of varied over over um, this the time period. So um, at its height, the Collins Street, there were probably twelve to thirteen houses usually, and and they weren't huge houses. Um, you know, we have some data that we looked at the census data. My colleague Allison Stevens and I, and and we you know, entered all this data. We transcribed all this data into Excel. <laughs> so Which is from, amazing. Yeah, and, from, and from PDF files. That's unbelievable. Yeah. And this exists somewhere then. You've just it been does. I haven't shared it publicly, which oh. I, you know, I've been happy to, happy to do so, <laughs> but I haven't done so yet. But just even looking at that, like over the years, like some of the, the houses, like say 1900, I'm going to use this one year, there were in the whole um, Atlanta area, so this might not just be. Um, oh, so Collins. your data is the whole yes. Atlanta area. So, so we what? did for the census, we did the whole Atlanta area, and we just scrolled through the the census and just tried to look for, you know, like there were some known kind of neighborhoods outside of Collins or a couple known streets that um like one street was called thompson and then i think it was changed to madison or the other way around i'm not sure but now it's ted turner drive (laughs) it's like right over there by mercedes benz but like in 1900 as an example we think the total there were 25 houses maybe and then they averaged at least in that year about six prostitutes maybe or six you know six persons living in, in the house of these houses yes okay. so, so these weren't like huge no but huge establishments yeah. by any means and also you have to remember but, i mean the population of the city at the time which was much smaller yeah so it's not like we're talking about a city like today yeah exactly that's fascinating um, that, that this exists and you're calling yeah. it is a data of the demi mont like what's the name of this yes data of the demi mont is okay. my is you know my, my cute little it. alliterative way to describe it so are you still putting i mean you're still inputting data into this we've we've transcribed most of the um census data in there of what's available and we've you know you know generated some kind of like basic statistics about like people's ages the i mean you know like interesting thing is like the average age of the madams at the time was about 32 and the average age of the uh prostitutes was about 23 wow so so and you know most likely a lot of madams started out as prostitutes first and then later became madams yeah and 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 we have we know of at least one i mean from the record that we know was a prostitute and then became a madam. Um, Let's say you're a madam mm-hmm. of one of these houses. Mm-hmm. Do you own the house? Most likely not. Okay. So and that I'm, is one thing that's pretty interesting. But you said men property. own the house. So a lot mm-hmm. of times there were men and so-called upstanding citizens, you know, that at least that's one thing I haven't dug into and in depth, like trying to d- identify specific property owners, property oh, owners. I would love to know but that. yes, I would like to dig into that more. Of all the um, madams, we only have found two really? listed across the census saying that they actually owned. So pretty much everybody said rent the property. So uh, well, let's get into madams because yeah. I'm I, I can't wait to hear about these. Yeah. But let's start with though: are these all white women? These madams. So for the majority, okay, yes, from what we found, um, or from what we can tell from looking at census records, what's reported is their as their race, or in the the city directories, the mads were overwhelmingly white. Okay. The prostitutes were overwhelmingly white. However, oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah but. but in um, when we went through the census data, eighteen eighty, we found like a handful of people who were identified as either um, B for black or M for mulatto, quote unquote, so mixed race. Um, and in nineteen hundred, the census stopped um, denoting people as mulatto for some reason, and just did black. Oh. Um, but in nineteen hundred, so so eighteen eighty, 
they were probably like 10, I think is ten it was literally 10 black okay. prostitutes okay. and or madams. Um, in 1900, from the census data, we saw about 20. That's oh, what it, what it, what we were seeing. The interesting thing is in 1910, and we went through that whole census, and there were supposedly no black or quote-unquote mulatto prostitutes or madams in the whole city of Atlanta, which we were like, this is really strange because surely they were just there in the last census. Yes, yes, surely they are. And, you know, from speculation of like, well, why would that? You know, what? what is this about, that there's none now? And one thought we had was um, census enumerators, rather than asking people, what is your race, they would just look at the person and decide what their race was. So that, that may just make the data unreliable, for one. But then, you know, another possibility, maybe, was that um, so this is in 1910, and we know that in 1906, there was this Atlanta race riot where there was, you know, violence. There was a lot, like, politicians, local newspapers were really, like, stirring up um, racist um, ideology yeah. and actions and so on. And so we're, you know, part of our speculation is, did they just oh. kind of, did, was it a little more underground? Yeah. Not as obvious? That makes sense, because you're saying it's a 1910 census, so it's just yeah. four years later. It's just four years That's later. That's actually a really interesting theory. Yeah. I, I, I would tend to go towards that. Yeah. I mean, to me, it makes sense, because the, the race massacre was such a, I mean, it was frightening and deadly, and I could see where a black prostitute would not feel safe at all to identify herself so back on Collins Street, we've identified that the majority of these madams are white women that are, you're saying, average age in their 30s. Yeah. Um, and so they're, at least I wrote down a couple of them, but I want to hear your your favorites that attach to them. Cause yeah, yeah. So so actually, to, to keep on the, the um, were there any black madams? Oh, yeah. So there there were a couple okay. <laughs> that showed up in 1900 on Collins Street. In um, the census, one uh, named Minnie Cole, and then another named either Ida or Alda or Addie, first name, and then Williams or Wilkins, because um, they also guys showed up in the city directories, and a lot of times their names wouldn't yeah, match I up. And that. Yes, and, <laughs> and you're just like, were you? What was your first name? But there were these the um, these two. Madams, who, um, at least on the census, 1900, and here again, 1900, there was no um, mulatto availability. So they were demarcated as black. And part of why I bring that up is because, so once I found their names, I was like, well, let's search their names in Atlanta Journal and the Atlanta Constitution, see if they come up in in any um, mentions. And I found at least one... um, article that was talking about Minnie Cole being arrested for her house being rowdy <laughs> and you know people complaining about it it was too too loud music coming from 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 her house and so on and they described her as mulatto so she She's somebody that shows up, and they were, and so this is on Collins. Her this, house that so her house about. was on Collins. It, it, um, if I'm looking at the Sanborn maps correctly and the numbering, because the numbering changes oh, over the years, so sometimes it can get a little confusing. But it basically sat about where the entrance to the uh, GSU Sports Arena <laughs> is right now. Um, is where her house sat, and then this other woman, Ida, Alda, Ada. Addie, whatever her first name was, Williams slash Wilkins, had a house um, on what was called Georgia Railroad Street, which I consider it part of the Collins District because it's not a real street now. I don't think it was really ever a real street then, but it was basically if Collins tees to the railroad tracks, then Georgia Railroad Street was basically the street along Uh, the railroad track so running parallel so this um there were a handful of houses at least in like circa 1900 that were on what was addressed georgia railroad street which today where where they would be is they would be sitting right smack in the middle of the sand volleyball course (laughs) that hour 
students play on, which I like to make the, the joke during my tour when I tell people there used to be houses of prostitution that sat right where these uh, sand volleyball courts were. And the prostitutes of those days would never have been caught dead as naked as the volleyball players of today are out in public. Let's, <laughs> let's talk about that now because, so on the tour where I met you, um, my friend Liza came and she's a vintage clothing dealer, but also enthusiast. And so she was dressed like a tr- historic prostitute. Prostitute at the time. And yeah. I was laughing because she had so much clothes on. I mean, and she explained to me that, you know, it's the fact that her shoulders were bare or her Correct. ankles were showing or that mm-hmm. she was in her quote unquote underwear. But again, it was like bloomers. Mm-hmm. So try to give us a picture of like what these women looked like, because I think we're thinking of something very different. Yeah, no. And they definitely um, would be wearing like corsets. Um, but out and, in the, not but, under. But not under. Yeah. Over their, their kind of undershirt, which would be probably off the shoulder. So like you said, show, showing shoulders shoulder um still uh, the bloomers that they would have been wearing were most likely like or knee length you know so we're not even talking like a lot of thigh showing but then they might have um and and i'm getting a lot of this imagery from um the same time period in new orleans there was this huge red light district called storyville and there was a photographer and took lots of pictures of prostitutes oh, from so the have, time oh, okay. so so we have images of what like at least the new orleans prostitutes would have been wearing at the time and so yeah i mean out in actual public they probably would just been most they may have been wearing some makeup just wearing makeup at that time would have kind of marked you as a like you hear the phrase painted ladies yes that's because like your your respectable women of the time would not not have been wearing any kind of rouge or lipstick or anything like that so they may have been dressed a little garishly you know more at the time like maybe had dyed hair and stuff like that but in in general public they probably would have been pretty discreet Running around inside the house, they might have been just wearing their bloomers and like some knitted pattern, almost like fishnetty looking oh. stockings if they had money enough to buy buy those nice stockings and the and the corsets and kind of the off the shoulder um, like undershirt. Okay, so the, so the two black madams had their it was kind of over there volleyball courts railroad yeah and then. Who was the, there was other ones that had the wild stories with like, where there's guns involved or something. Yes. <laughs> so some of the different madams that are fun. Um, one madam that I don't have any like scandalous stories about, but seems to be the kind of what I would call the, the mother of Collins Street was a madam named Lizzie Clifton. Okay. And as far as I can tell, the first time she appears on the record, at least in um, like newspaper records and stuff like that, is 1869. Um, and I'm not sure where Lizzie was living at that time, but but she had a house by 1879. Or no, actually, I don't know, maybe it was 1869, early 1870s. She had what seems to be the first house on Ooh. Collins Street, as far as I can tell. Um, and it was the address at the time was 19 South Collins Street. Now, her house was probably one one or two closer to the railroad tracks. Like at this point, you know, there's a fence there and you can't really get okay. as close to the railroad tracks. But that seemed to be where, where her house was. From what I can tell from property records, I think she might have owned her house. But this is, again, it gets a little confusing because it mentions her, but then it also mentions a guy named... Uh, James D. Collins, maybe as her sponsor. And the name Collins is, I don't think, it's not an accident. Yes, <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, because the Collins Street, so Court, what is now Cortland Street, used, that whole thing used to be called Collins Street. Oh. So it wasn't just this the little part that's now under the Cortland Street Bridge. If you look at, I think, like that bird's eye view, 1880s-ish 90, yeah. or 90s-ish, it's Collins like all the way up to going north um and it was named after not not this particular person who was uh, a kind of a partner with a known no madam but i think his father or grandfather okay. or something so here we get again like the some of the people that own these houses 
Yeah. Work from upstanding of good course, citizens, yeah. quote unquote, and they were making money um, off of them. I call Lizzie kind of the mama of uh, Collins because she She's seems like to be. Yeah, she seems to be the pioneer that started her, you know, the, yeah, forged her, <laughs> her so, way into Collins. So is Abby Howard from the famous Gone with the Wind, Abby Howard? That's, well, so. So I think there's speculation or there's theory yes, that, that the the um, madam in Gone with the Wind, Bill Watley yes. or Watling, that she was based on, on, Abby. on Abby Howard. Oh. Now, I don't know if that's definitely true because there are other madams, too, that that Margaret Mitchell could have been heard about from grandma and grandpa. Grandpa. Maybe, <laughs> maybe, maybe grandma. Maybe, maybe grandma. <laughs> Maybe grandpa, um, but but there is yeah the the that people have talked about Abby Howard who who I kind of call her since I call uh, Lizzie Mama Lizzie I call um, Abby Auntie or Auntie 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 Abby um, but yes Abby was pretty active for a long time because from what I can say she probably active she appears in the eighteen seventy um, census. Living on a street called Line Street, which Line Street was also another street kind of right immediately or close to prior to Collins flourishing that had a few houses of prostitution on it. Um, and Line Street, present day, where that is, is the street is called Hurt Plaza Southeast, I think. But it's basically, it's a little street that runs right across or right along the side of the Hurt Building. And it tees into our new Greenway space of GSU. <laughs> so, so every time I walk through the new Greenway space of GSU, I walk up Line Street to like go get lunch and stuff. And I'm always like, "This is where <laughs> this there is where, where, <laughs> where there was a prostitute house right there." Now, if anybody, sometimes I tell strangers, I'm like, "Did you know that there was a prostitute house right here?" But she, so Abby Howard was uh, appeared on the census in 1870 on Line Street, but I don't think she she was not yet from what I could tell, like a madam. And it wasn't in 1870, they did not list anybody's occupation, as far as I can tell, as prostitute yet. But the telltale kind of thing is, well, one, knowing later that she's a madam. But two, in 1870, she was one of many early 20s year old women living in a house on line street who had no occupation quote unquote so that's one other kind of when you're looking at census records sometimes if you see like a house headed by another woman okay especially not her parents and her siblings and not parents alone in the 1870s as a woman woman, no no occupation occupation in early yeah yeah so she's living on line street then but then by like 1880 um, she's still on Line Street, but she's a madam at this point because it says that she's like the head of the household and that the occupation of people are prostitutes. And then she eventually moves to um, uh, the 19 South Collins Street, the house that was uh, Lizzie Clifton's. And it's real funny because there is in the Atlanta Journal newspaper, she had an advertisement, not explicit, but an advertisement, August 9th, 1886, that basically said, you may now find Abby Howard doing business on, and like, it's like doing her business or something like that on uh, Collins Street. So it was like, this is where I am now, boys. So they knew. I mean, it just said Abby Howard's moved her business and yes. no explanation of who she was or no, what she was doing. No, oh. no explanation of who she was, what she was doing, just that you can find me now, now on Collins Street. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, and she owned a lot of property. Like for the time you see some of the property records, she, I mean, value. Like I found an 1885 property record where she owned or her property was valued at $19,450. And then in and then in 1890, it was 24000 And for that time period, ah. that was a lot. And then she, and she, but then she was listed as a madam on Collins Street. 
until roughly, so I have her active, quote unquote, from 1880 to 1892. And then she kind of disappears off the, the grid from 1893 to 1899. But you find news articles about her losing property. Oh. Like there's all these like liens and, and there's some other fancy legal Latin term that I can't remember off the top of my head right now, basically saying she hasn't been paying her taxes. And so she kind of falls off the map, but then suddenly she's back on Collins Street in 1900. Wow. So, so we're talking here at this point. She was a prostitute in 1870. 1900, she's back. So that's 30 years have, have correct? Do my math. Yes, <laughs> 30 years have spanned this point. And then she's still in 1903, up until 1903, she's still a, a madam. And then she finally, she dies um, in 1905. And the interesting thing about her, where she's buried, is she's in buried Oakland. in Oak. Yes, yeah, she's so I was on the cemetery. I was on the Capturing the Spirits tour where they took donations for her grave. And it's so yes. funny to go back later and then actually see that they put the little marker up underneath the tree. Yes, yeah, because she was in an unmarked grave under yeah. this huge magnolia tree that the Roots are totally growing through her bones. <laughs> but, but yeah, it had no marker. But that, yeah, during that tour, the, the women, and what one of my more recent tours um, for the Atlanta Preservation Center for this historic Carlos of Old Atlanta, one of the women who played Abby Howard at the she came tour, on it. She came yes. on it. Because at the beginning, she said, So do you know who Abby Howard is? And I was like, oh, Yes, I do. How do you know? And then she told me, Oh, I. And I was like, that's awesome. That's amazing. That's so awesome. That's amazing. So are there are there other madams that had some wild stories or names that you want to mention? Yeah. So there's um, some wild stories. There were there were two different sets of sister madams. Sister madams on the On, the, on TLC next yeah, week. Sister yeah, madams. sister madams. But um, one, one set that I called a classy set were Madam Annie and Fanny Price. And then I called the other one the brassy set or trashy set are Will and... Willie, sorry, Willie and Belle Burton. So these two sets of sisters, and they kind of co- set, coincided. They were on this, the, you know, Collins, again, probably about 20 years, you know. Like, so these were the long-lasting madams. I'm sure they didn't like each other, the sets of sisters, because they were so, like, trashy versus brassy versus classy um but the the annie and fanny price like why i call them classy is because neither one of them had that many like scandalous things happen in the newspapers um they seemed to um when i talk about in a moment well I'm going to talk about how there were some fires on on uh, Collins Street, that block, and their houses, like a lot of the prostitutes' houses, got wiped out, you know, destroyed by these fires. But during the, the fire coverage in the newspaper, they would talk about the the, the prostitutes and mads trying to bring all their stuff out so it wouldn't get burnt. Yeah. I mean, the people of Atlanta... This, these fires were such an opportunity for them to have a respectable reason to come down and gawk at and the prostitutes. Wow. Yes, and see what they were, you know, were not supposed to, you know, respectable people would never go into this area to see. And so the, the price, why I, in part, why I call the Price Sisters kind of classy is that they just talk about their, like they had pianos, they had, um, you know, the jewels and the things that were coming out. And, and while I don't know for sure that this was the, one of the Price Sisters, um, houses, I'm, I'm almost definite it was that they're during this, um, one of the fires in 1901, there was a fire February 21st, 1901 on the block that just kind of started to wipe out the block, but it was freezing out. It was freezing. And so the the whole newspaper story would talk about how when the firemen, you know, were spraying water all over everything, well, what wasn't on the actual fire would freeze and like icicles and stuff would come out. So then there was this story of one of the houses of prostitution, these, I don't remember if it was firemen or just men, came out and they were carrying 
something that at first people thought was a body of a dead prostitute, but it turned out it was a statue of Venus. So a naked statue of Venus, and they were carrying it out. And then once they got it out and it got water on it, it got iced over. And so the newspaper article was about how, oh, it... You know, the ice clothed oh the, na- the naked statue of Venus. Um, but but that came out of one of those houses, and I'm almost positive it was one of the Price houses, oh, the, so the Price sisters' houses. But, you know, for the most part, they, did, they didn't have scandalous types of stories. One of them, Fanny, got eventually was was accused of having a young girl in her house again and the judge at the time said either you get out of town or or i'm putting you in jail and she got out of town because oh, wow. <laughs> as far as i can tell but but generally speaking they were pretty you know uh, did not seem to have scandals however at the same time there was a lot of implications in, or there was one particular um, news article that imp- implicated that they had the police in their pocket that they really because there was something with one of them maybe taking stolen goods and was supposed to be taken to court but somehow magically she didn't have to go to court and i wouldn't be surprised too if there were things happening in their houses that maybe if they had it in with you know the police or the journalists they probably could hush it up um in contrast the the burton sisters will willie and bell bell Seem to just have like Trump. raucous, <laughs> you know, like like some things that happened in their house. Like here's a news headline of a story that happened in Willie Burton's house. Um, says uh, Ed Rose knife. They made a special officer draw his loaded pistol, made a vigorous assault upon an inmate of Willie Burton's Collins Street, Bonio, which I guess is another word for brothel, yesterday, and then attempted to knife the special officer. So this was one of the clients that apparently tried to, like, kill an inmate, a prostitute, and then tried to also kill an officer. There was one one headline, Beer and Jealousy. One woman is hacked to pieces and another who was arrested swallows a big dose of morphine. And this was in Bell Burton's house. So these two inmates got into some kind of, oh you know, fight God. with each other. And uh, yeah, um, uh, there's... There was something where some guy must have had a problem with Willie Burton because he like knocked on her door and she came to the door and he threw a brick at her head and knocked her unconscious. Um, but then probably the, the most interesting story it was, was obviously that um, Belle Burton and Willie Burton, who were sisters, must not have liked each oh. other. <laughs> And I suspect it was that maybe that one did better financially than the other is my guess. But there is a story that the headline says, two sisters pull hair. They settle dispute in old time pugilistic style. (laughs) And basically, like, not to read the whole story, although it's fun, you know, the language that they use. But but one of them, Willie, Willie Burton, like, came to Belle's house and they just started fighting, you know, physical fighting. And it supposedly started in the house and then spilled out onto the street. And then the police got involved. And there was even like a report of like the policeman got in between and got control of one of them. And then the other one like says like sailed into the other and blackened her eye. So, yeah. So that's that's why I call them brassy slash trashy but 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 they, they're i mean how fun i know this is a movie this yes a movie. it's totally a movie or an episode or, or an episode of a tv show or something i mean yeah I, I really think you could do a whole tv show on colin street God, probably so you talked about one fire, and I put down fires because yes. there was more than one. There were two fires. Okay. Yes. So there was the one in the one I already mentioned was the second fire. So 1901, February 21st. Um, but then there was another fire previous to that, May 17th, 1896, where it was basically like some gas stove in a in a restaurant on Decatur Street, like exploded. Oh. And then it caught like a stables that was on fire. So the block had interesting, you know, things like there was Collins Street, which was a little more tucked away, I would say, in terms of the houses of prostitution um, were a little off the main path of Decatur. They were closer, going closer to the um, 
railroad tracks. But along Decatur on that block, which is now mainly the G parking deck, the GSU's uh, library, and GSU's classroom south building. So that block, what's there now, had a hotel called the Markham Hotel that got burnt by this fire. There were stables there where there were like 47 horses that got killed by this fi- that fire in 1896. So it was a big fire. Um, and then it basically took out the houses on um, that far uh, end of the block along Collins. And, and it was interesting because there was a newspaper article at the time that was very disparaging of like, n- never could there have been a better place for this fire to happen because these dilapidated and disrespectful houses, blah, 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 blah. And then there were people saying, oh, now we're going to clean, you know, com- we're going to build, you know, businesses and that, that's no longer yeah, going to be legitimate. the house of prostitution. No. No. That yeah, right I mean, back. They, they came <laughs> right back. And I think from looking at the Sanborn map, some of the houses that came back were were quite interesting. I wish they were still oh, there because no. they, like there was one with like a turret kind of opening, you know, and both fires, neither fires, um, ruined the oh, red so light just district. Maybe put a little bit of dent, but. Yeah, put not. a little dent, but then. The houses okay. would come back and now, stuff. Now, the viaduct is after the fires? Yes. Okay, and would you consider the viaduct like the beginning of the end? I would consider the viaduct the beginning of the end. Okay. So so the viaduct or, or bridge, which was the Cortland Street Bridge, was built in 1907 was when it was finished. And it basically runs right, you know, over the top of these houses on Collins Street. But at least for the next three years, the houses survived. So the viaduct itself did not make the houses go out of business. But what happened <laughs> was the viaduct, you know, the, the project, part of the reason that they did all these viaducts again was just to make it so people could more easily traverse over the tracks, more places to go over. Well, the viaduct over Collins Street basically connected the boys' high school. So there was a boys' high school and a girls' high school separate. And the boys' high school sat where now the the GSU Student Center sits. And then the girls' high school sat catty corner from the the capital so those you know those high schools were there and this viaduct made a nice easily easy way for the kids to traverse back and forth to the high schools that sounds great except for the fact that they would be walking right over and could look right down on collins street on the red light district And so there were ministers and parents and, you know, city council stuff got together and were like, this, you know, this is unacceptable that we can't have our, you know, our youth being exposed to these like half naked women. And whether they were half naked or not, they might have been, I mean, they may have been taunting them. Who knows what they may have been doing, but, you know, they were like, this, this is unacceptable. And that basically was what ended Collins Street. Really? So they, they complained to the city. And then what happened is like a resolution, you know, was formed saying that we, you know, the, the houses need to go. Now, the police were like, you don't want to break up the oh, district without they're... having another district yeah. ready for them to go to. <laughs> Yeah, because they're they're like, you know, they're just getting spread into your neighborhoods and you're going to be upset. And so they were the police were more trying to fight it or, or at least say, you don't want this unless we can at least find somewhere else to put them first. But then at that point, you're getting into where the time period of my uh, the dissertation, era. the progressive area and the anti-prostitution crazes are really ramping up and people are not buying this. We need to keep it segregated. It's a necessary evil kind of thing. They want it gone. They want it gone. Um, and so, so yeah, the police are like, yeah, this is not a good idea. <laughs> and then, but they, you know, they say that we're going to do it. And then I guess in July, 1910, the judge, some judge, 
gave them 60 days to get out. Wow. Like 60 days. And then in September, the chief of police said, can there be a little more time? Because we're already getting complaints about, you know, inmates moving into respectable neighborhoods and, you know, we need a little more time. So they were given a little more time. Um, But as far as I can tell from looking again at city directories, where, you know, up until 1910, you would see uh, Collins Street listed and you'd have the people's names and it would say Madam or Mad period and so on. Um, But on uh, in 1910 or the 1911 directory, it says Collins properties that were vacant as of October 14th, 1910. So as far as I can tell, that was like the the final day wow it's october 14th 1910 and, and you don't really know where they went and yeah i don't know i mean they definitely didn't go away <laughs> you know it did not end prostitution no, <laughs> yeah from what i can gather from other people i think what other people have said um is that they ended some at least ended up on a street called mechanics street yep. i think i so i have a small research that has I try, it's, you know, how most research goes. You're looking up one thing. But it was Men in Religion Forward Movement yes. that led me to mechanics, which changed names, of course. Oh, yeah. And it kind of looks like it's used to run under the Georgia World Congress Center. Yes. And then the progressive movement in, like, 1915. There's some year, yeah. too, where they also claimed that that was done, right, where they solved all that problem. Yeah. But so that that totally adds up now that if they're all taken out of there, they must have set up shop there. Yeah. Wow. So um, so you have an amazing website that is maybe too long to say, but or not, because I can put the link. Which I yeah, I can link. say it. Yeah, say it, it is um, lib.gsu.edu slash historic harlots okay <laughs> All so that's together. not as hard as i thought yeah. i'm gonna have a link in the show notes though because really the data portion of that blows my mind i mean the maps and the scrolling and the swiping back and forth and a lot more context about um early prostitution stuff and i want people to know about the tours because i mean that's how i found it so are they happening regularly or yeah so so uh, I first did this, uh, or brought this research together. I had been doing it for a couple of years and it was just, you know, how, what happens. It's kind of a side project and it's a big mess and you have no idea what's going on. And then the Atlanta Preservation Center, through our special collections and archives, found out that I had done a, a little presentation for our library like for the li- the library employees and they were like oh you know this would be a really cool tour so it forced me to begin to ah. like put this stuff together sometimes you need that kick in the pants to get you to do what you need yep. to do um and i first did it in march for the phoenix flies so phoenix flies is like their yeah their month long free tours which is what tours. i came on yes um and then I've been doing it. I am still doing it for Atlanta Preservation Center periodically. Okay. So, so I will have another. If you want a date, my next one is is not till November twelfth. No. So it's hey. a little ways off, but yeah, you have plenty of time. Um, well, thank you so much. This yeah. was great, and I cannot wait for everyone to hear this. And I appreciate your time. Yeah. Thank you. So there you have it, the story of historic harlots in early Atlanta. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Remember to leave a rating and or a review or wherever you listen to podcasts. Um, I also have a Patreon link in the show notes where you can support. Hope everyone has a great weekend, and I'll talk to you next week.